Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, the Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies, comfort 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Dear Mr. Clayton, I liked meeting you, and I am sad that Miss Young didn't choose you. You're really good at making forts. And you have lots of of muscles. (laughs) When you get married, can I come with my sister? Luke. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. Oh, sorry. I'm just waking up. This is Bachelor Clues. I was bored out of my mind this episode (laughs) because the producers are so bad at their jobs that they lulled me into a slumber. Luckily, we had a couple of fucking star players raising the bar. Even despite the producers' best efforts to turn this show into a horrible pile of unwatchable dog shit, we have players doing things this season (laughs) that we've literally never seen, and tonight's game... I mean, I don't even know how to describe some of the shit we saw. My mind is still fucking reeling from what Brandon was able to accomplish tonight. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to some of the great plays Nate made. We're going to get to some of the errors, obviously. We had a fucking multitude of creatures that we're going to be discussing and some incredible Jorge Morenos. I mean, some incredible fucking Jorge Morenos. But before we get to any of that, we have a little bit of news. There's going to be a brand new Game of Roses shirt coming out very soon. So soon, we're going to say next week. And it's not a shirt. It is a long-sleeved crew neck sweatshirt. Isn't that a shirt? Clues. I mean, it's outerwear. <laughs> a shirt tends to refer to innerwear. I didn't realize any of this. Like a t-shirt or a tank top. To me, a shirt is a thing that covers the top half of your body. Anything that does that is a shirt. Oh my God. What about a jacket? It's a shirt. What do you wear skiing? A shirt? That's a shirt that's a little thicker and maybe goes over another shirt. You've said some crazy <laughs> shit on this podcast, but this is the craziest thing you've ever said. If it's on the top part of your body, it's a shirt. What about a hat? That's a hat. Head is hat, top of body is shirt, lower body is pants, and then shoes or socks. I'll give you socks as well. What about a bra? Shirt. Shirt. (laughs) That's a shirt. (laughs) All right. Well, for those who go with the more conventional naming of things, this is a sweatshirt. (laughs) Yeah. It has the word shirt in it. That that has to be a shirt. And this (laughs) this sweatshirt is... Let's just say it's kind of like Brandon in this episode, changing the game. This design, I referred to it in my Scream from the Pit a couple weeks back, maybe. It includes both (laughs) torso shirt man clues and my faces, a portrayal of our faces. And it is gorgeous. The design was done by L. Tolkien, who did the design for our 4TRR shirt with the crying woman with her hands bound by thorned vines of roses. So it is that similar kind of style. Ella just knocks it out of the park every time. She's such a fantastic artist, and we are humbled to have her helping us out with this shirt and doing the design for it. We think you guys are all going to love it. And again, 
We're going to have that available for you through all of our social media. You can find links and stuff to it starting next week. And we're looking forward to seeing what all of you think. Because this design is fucking like, it's just great. It's really fucking great. It's the most pit merch we have ever come up with. Absolutely. <laughs> Ella has gone to the to the next level. This is, it's extraordinary. Yes. Yeah, so you'll have multiple ways now to wear your, your pitdom on several different shirts, be they tea or sweat. Oh my god! <laughs> I I don't know if I'm going to get over this to be able to do the rest of this podcast. What are you talking? I mean, how is it not a shirt? How is a sweatshirt not a shirt? Would you wear it bare on your body? A sweatshirt? Yeah, I've done that multiple times. I... Do you have to wear it bare on your body to be a shirt? Shirts are traditionally worn bare on your body. Sweatshirts, jackets are traditionally worn over a shirt. What would you then call like a dress shirt? Because you wear an undershirt under a dress shirt usually. So is a dress shirt not a shirt? You can layer shirts. Yeah, I agree. Like you could wear a t-shirt and then a sweatshirt over it. Those are two shirts. <laughs> Same time. What are we doing? <laughs> okay. Let's know. Oh, fuck. Huh. Originally an undergarment worn exclusively by men, it has become in American English a catch-all term for a broad variety of upper body garments and undergarments. Oh. All right. Well, these little word sticklers are not helping me, but (laughs) I think the pit will agree. Sound off in the comments. Call it whatever you want. My new favorite thing is when the, the pit will agree with me in the comments. Okay, yes, please everyone agree with Pay's case to make her feel better, but call this thing whatever you want. It is a sweatshirt. It has a fantastic design on it. It's going to be available next week, and we are very excited to put it out there for everyone. And so now, let's do what we came here for. And now, Pay's case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So... This episode had it all. Extreme boredom. Horrible producer presentation of a group date. Fantastic plays. Creatures. Insane Jorge's. I cannot wait to dig into this. So let's begin. Disagree with the boredom. I loved it. I think Michelle's going to find her soulmate. There were not parts of this. Just there weren't parts of this game where you were like what are they fucking doing what am i watching you didn't have that reaction once no i had a couple wowie moments is that what you mean but it was wowie like my eyes were wide open no i had a couple of those too and we'll get to the wowie moments i mean there were a couple of times where i was just like what the fuck is going on here this is just a mess we'll get to those things but this episode begins with a promo we see some kids uh the kids are asking the guys if they've kissed michelle love is messy we see some cows getting milked That's a repeat of a season 21 date. Nick Vial, of course. We see Clayton dancing. Brandon's in a hot tub. Parents are coming home while they're making out. Olu is calling someone two-faced. Rick is kissing someone. Michelle suspects someone of not being uh, genuine, and she can no longer trust someone. This, to me, has no drama in it. We're still missing that bring her home to us, that fence jump. We talked about this last week as well. It's just not here. This season just doesn't have it. Or the producers don't know how to build to it, or they don't know how to present it properly. Okay. Here's a question. There was a moment where we see Clayton saying, you're just a reality TV star. 
Where is that? Is that cut from the document? Yes. Just in the promos. Correct. Who is he talking to? No idea. This is what I'm saying. These producers are, I believe, the worst producing team that has ever existed in the history of the show. (laughs) They don't know how to present this. They just don't. And we're going to get to this first group date, which was a fucking mess. We will get to that in a moment. But let's begin portion one here. Rodney and the guys realize that the room is getting smaller and smaller. Joe Coleman lets us know they're down to only eight players. And Clayton uses some rudimentary math skills to determine that this number must be cut in half before they go to hometown. So that's kind of setting up what this game is going to be about. These eight guys are going to get cut down to four. Next week is hometowns, the beginning of playoffs. This is our last regular season game. Then Clayton ITMs that this is the most critical week by far, because if you get a rose, hometowns are coming. And all the guys know she has tough decisions ahead. And Rodney ITMs that he doesn't know how she's going to decide. And then we cut to Michelle (laughs) meeting up with four members of her child army who are going to be helping her make those decisions. These four children are Jaylene, Kelsey, Luke, and Ahmed. They give Michelle a book of pictures and notes from the rest of the class who she hates as she has picked her four favorite students to come on this show. In this little book that they give to Michelle... There is a, a thing that she reads out loud. Dear Miss Young, I'm glad you're the bachelorette because you're my favorite teacher and I think you really deserve it. Sincerely, Ahmed. I think you sincerely deserve it. What is Ahmed talking about here? This is early indoctrination into the whole bachelor thing at the highest level we've ever seen. This is a fifth grade child saying that he believes Michelle Young deserves this fame this adulation, this starring role in a reality television program. Clues. Yes. I do not believe that any child wrote any letter that we saw in the entire document tonight. I believe all of these letters were written under duress. Oh, for sure. 100%. Either at the hand of Michelle Young or at the hand of the producers. But absolutely. Producers were guiding everything that's being said here. But this idea of deserving the role of bachelor or bachelorette, getting the lead in this franchise, that is something that at Mm -hmm. least these kids, if not their entire generation, or at least their class, they are all aware of the fact that that is a valuable prize and that their teacher is worthy of receiving it. And to your point as well, what are all these kids' classmates thinking when they're watching these four on screen? The lights are on them. They're experiencing a little bit of fame. And no one else in the class got that. How fucking shitty would you feel if you were a kid who got rejected, who got looked over for this? <laughs> I would be pissed. <laughs> I would too. I would be so pissed. And this is a big clue that I talked about before we came on here, but these children are welcome to the pit, kids. You're going to watch the show forever. This, like, this is probably one of the most memorable things they will have done in their childhoods. Oh, for sure. They're going to be huge superstars at their fucking school. They were just on national TV watched by literally tens of thousands of people. No, the the show <laughs> the show is pulling bigger, <laughs> bigger ratings than that, but only barely. I mean, all, their whole school is going to watch it, obviously, and they have been because Michelle Young is the bachelor or bachelorette. So, yes, then the kids come into the area where the guys are and they start asking them all these questions. Have you ever been grounded? Who has the worst breath? They get to Nate. Or they get Nate, sorry, to do a handstand. Olu explains that he wants to get married in Africa to the kids. And Martin tells the kids about his intimate moments with Michelle. (laughs) 
Martin has never met a child in his entire life. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we had some intimate moments, romantic moments. I mean, I got it in. I was in a hot tub. God damn. And then Kelsey is like, yeah, I don't like him. He's trying to show off and he wears too much cologne. <laughs> she just fucking burns him down. Oh, God damn. That shit was funny to me. Then we see Ahmed asking Rodney if he shaves his nipples. This is a child asking this man if he shaves his nipples. And we are made immediately mm-hmm. aware of the fact that producers have cameras in all of their rooms. Producers are watching what all of these guys do. They know he shaves his nipples. They told Ahmed to ask that question specifically to make him squirm here. Of course. So this is a way that producers will use children, manipulate them into the various plots and practices that they're trying to do over the course of a season. No child has ever asked anyone this question. I agree with you. Until now. Groundbreaking stuff. Good job, producers. (laughs) And then Ahmed says that he likes how funny Rodney is and explains that they even have a secret handshake. This, I thought, you know, we see the handshake a little bit later, but this was a stellar move from Rodney to have this building a one-on-one connection with one of these kids, Mm -hmm. building a handshake. Just, it's fucking great. That can go straight back to Michelle Young and she'll be like, oh, great, Rodney's good with the kids. You're going to see it on TV. It's a great multiple audience play, basically. Well, he had done the same strategy with Michelle in a previous episode. They had a secret handshake. It's great. Make a secret handshake. Yeah. Then something happens that was almost my play of the game. Clayton says, let's build a fort. And he builds a fort with the kids. They ask, have you farted in front of Michelle? He says, maybe. And he says that they kissed and it was magical. And they say, are you ready to get married? He says, two or three kids. Luke loves him, says he'd be good at carrying groceries. That was probably the best fort I've ever seen. Excellent fort play, Clayton. Good job, Clayton. Good job, Clayton. You build forts and you fart very good. This is the most we've seen of him in the entire fucking show so far. I mean, goddamn. Good job, Clayton. You carry groceries better than anyone. Look at your muscles, Clayton. Oh, did you make a fart, Clayton? Oopsie. (laughs) Then the child army brings in the date card and they say that they liked one guy the best. They make it seem like the kids here are choosing this one-on-one date. And they even say in the beginning that the kids are going to be choosing all the dates. That's obviously a lie. The producers are picking all of this shit. And so the kids are going along with the lie. Michelle's going along with the lie. The guys are even pretending Mm. they're going along with the lie. Michelle says the kids planned the dates, booked the limos. (laughs) That's right, that they planned the dates. And the kids we will see are conscripted into service here. They put these kids to work, I'm assuming, for free. I don't know if they paid them, but we'll get to this part in the one-on-one date where one of the kids did fucking literal work. So... Uh, portion two begins. It is night. This is the one-on-one A of tonight's big game. And Clayton walks out of the hotel. Michelle is waiting for him outside up against a car. And the producers here have selected him. I think it's possible they knew he was the bachelor at this point or that they were very strongly leaning in that direction. They're like, we got to give him a fucking one-on-one date if we're going to make him bachelor. And so they've done that here. I think there's a scene that happens later that makes me think that they already knew they were doing that as a storyline. Yeah, I think so, too. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. There was a lot in this episode that was just like, 
the producers ramming shit in because they're like, well, we got to start promoting him as The Bachelor and <laughs> he's boring as fuck and he hasn't even been in the show at all. So here we go. But Clayton and Michelle get into a limo and there is a pizza party inside the limo. We know Clayton loves him some pizza. Good job, Clayton. You get a pizza party for your fort and farts. But there's also candy in this fucking limo and Clayton no likes sweets. We know that. So he gives Michelle the sweets as he consumes the Zaw. And then they arrive at the museum. By we know that, you mean you and I. People can say it. <laughs> he said this in a promo. Yeah. And we're not the only two people watching the promos. Plenty of people know this about him. Yeah. He's famous for it. He loves Zaw. He hates sweets. But she loves sweets. How does he feel about museums? Fucking pretty good, I think, based on this museum. They, he says, I love museums. He says, I love to learn. I This to me, for what it's worth, I see a lot of dates on these fucking shows where I'm like, I would just turn around and walk the other way and be like, fuck this, I'm not <laughs> doing this. This date was fucking awesome. This is like right up my alley. Oh, yeah. Private Natural History Museum. You got a planetarium. I'm, I mean, aside from the Zaw and the sweets, that part was inconsequential to me. But the actual date, I thought was like, it's a pretty cool date. You'd be like, I'll do food play with you, but I'm going to vomit it right up. <laughs> yeah. I'll do food play with you, but it better be beets. That's right. I would do beet food play. So this date is a private museum date at the Natural History Museum. We get some shots as they walk in of a mammoth, a beaver, I think, some birds, all these taxidermied animals. And then they run through the museum. They're chasing each other around. We see a shot here of some roller skates sitting on a little bench. So they must have had a roller skate component to this. Maybe they didn't do it and they were planning to do it. But I think they probably did strap on skates and skate around. And they just decided to cut that out for some reason. Instead, let's just see them running around. They skate around. Nate crashes their date. Clayton accuses him of being a reality TV star. And they move on. <laughs> and then they just they dropped all that shit. But then we see a creature who is not taxidermied. We get a brief shot of a reptilian creature. This creature is strutting his stuff. He's actually not. He's stationary. But this turtle looks directly into the lens after a short blink, reminding us that turtling is one of the worst things a player can do in our beloved game. And any time... <laughs> I get an animal representation of a move within the game, even if it's one of the most costly errors, that creature is going to get my... <laughs> creature of the week. <laughs> Love this fucking turtle. He's the first living creature we saw in the entire document tonight. We saw many more living creatures later, obviously. But this one was my favorite because it's a fucking mm -hmm. turtle. I felt like they were showing it directly to me. Why is it even there? Is it in the Natural <laughs> History Museum? All the other animals we see are taxidermied. What the fuck is this living turtle doing here? And it looked like a weird insert shot. There's also the 3D bird that Clayton imitates. He follows the bird's direction. God damn. <laughs> they almost gave him a full edit. This whole fucking date was crazy to me. I enjoyed it. By the way... You said the turtle wasn't strutting his stuff, but I feel like strutting your stuff really is a state of mind at this point. Oh, fair enough. Mm -hmm. He was strutting his stuff. Yeah. So then after Clayton dances around uh, with this video bird, 
they find a little card that tells them to catch butterflies that are attached to the ceiling and each butterfly is going to have a question for them to answer. These are innocuous kind of getting to know you questions. What's your favorite holiday? They're aligned about Thanksgiving. What would be your one superpower in just perfect fucking Clayton fashion? I'd like to fly. And she's like, I'd like to heal people. <laughs> he immediately is fucked. <laughs> He even recognizes. Oh, really? You selfish mofo. <laughs> I'd heal people. You're using your powers for good, and I'm just flying around in the sky like a Superman eating his pizzas. By the way, the earlier fake bird made them create their own mating call, and Clayton does a dance, which I feel like was an homage to Nick Vial's dinosaur dance. It was very reminiscent. I will definitely agree uh-huh. there. I saw the image, the ghostly <laughs> image of Viao in the background doing his T-Rex impersonation. Yes. They talk about their best character traits. And Michelle says, I do I do anything for my friends and family, which can also be my downfall. I'm like, I love that. It's like a great interview answer. <laughs> yeah. I care too much. And he says, that's what I want to pick up from you. I've experienced growth for, since getting to know you. I feel like one of Clayton gives a obviously flawless performance here, but if I were to pick out a flaw, it would be that it seems like he is presenting her on a pedestal and he is this lowly person who has so much to learn from her. He's not demonstrating so much value in him in himself. I completely agree. He comes off as less than and I think in any situation like this, as we fucking, it's quiet confidence, it's quiet con, it's charming, it's, you yeah. have, both of those have a dominant factor in them. You have to have that if you're going to stand out above all the other people and if you're going to progress through this game. But clearly he doesn't. And so then he ITMs that he's going to give it his all tonight, aka leave it all in the field because there's a rose on the line. And so they enter a dark room and we find out it's a planetarium. As stars and galaxies are flying by overhead, we hear the chilling voice of one of the members of the child army coming over the loudspeaker. They fucking conscripted this kid to do voiceover on this video they made. That is a literal Mm -hmm. job. They had this child working. I don't know if that kid got paid. I don't know if that kid is in SAG. I don't know what the specifics of it were. I hope that the kid did get paid, but that's a, a literal job that this kid fucking rendered for this date. Mm -mm. If you're listening, I don't know which of the kids it was. I couldn't match the voice. But if you're listening, any of the child army... Get your money. Tell this person who did that, get your fucking money. Get paid if you didn't. Well, we know they're listening because now they're in the pit. (laughs) So get your money. Join SAG pronto. After the planetarium thing, they get a kiss. Clayton ITM, she could be the one. And portion number three begins. We're back at the house. The Marquette Hotel. All of the guys are shitting on group dates. And we get the date card. It's Rick, Rodney, Nate, Joe, Martin, and Olu. That means Brandon is getting the one-on-one. We head back to Clayton's one-on-one. And he says he's having these great feelings he hasn't had in a long time. The last five years, he's been trying to make sure People are impressed by him by being good enough, getting his MBA, and he was shut off playing some walls. He says, now I have to stop worrying about others and just be Clayton. I would also like to add that when that group date card comes in, Olu says it sucks, but you know she chose you, referring to Brandon to get the one-on-one date. She didn't make that choice. 
The producers did. Right, the children. Oh, sorry, the children. The producers are making all these choices. <laughs> and it has become so hard for me to watch anyone think that Michelle Young is making any of these choices, is in control of any of this, especially somebody who's in the season. And it's still like, I don't think you're going to see shit like that in The Bachelor. I think every one of the women on 26 is going to be high-level professional and understand that producers mm -hmm. make all these choices. Clayton, especially Clayton, is not making any fucking decisions. But to see it in Bachelorette is like, <laughs> it's just a reminder to me that like these guys aren't as good overall as a group as the women will be in any Bachelor season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Michelle asked Clayton, were you when you first came in, were you comfortable with who you are? And he says, I was too concerned with how others see me, but now I'm totally open. And who I bring in my life will bring that happiness and make me feel like I'm enough, which is, you know, I feel like that's like a basic thing people talk about is like, you got to feel like you're enough before that, you know, that other person shouldn't be the thing to fulfill you. You complete me is not a, it's not a healthy relationship. I don't know. Maybe that's what Clayton needs. But back at the hotel, <laughs> Joe Coleman talks about the one-on-ones having more weight with the impending hometowns coming up. And Martin says it would make no sense for him to come back with a rose at this point. And we're listening to both of these guys basically who don't quite understand the game, trying to dissect the game, trying to game out. Well, if he's coming back, that would mean this. And I don't think he is coming back because why would you take him on a one-on-one -on -one date this late in the season and blah, blah, blah. And again, just another reminder that these guys aren't quite there. The Bachelorette still has a ways to go before I think it reaches its professional era. I don't think we're there yet. I, gee, I don't even feel like we're getting closer. I feel like the groups of guys seem to be pretty clueless over and over. Yeah. Dale Moss is maybe like the first professional player. I don't know. Nick Vial. I'm sorry. That motherfucker had it down. I don't mean to. You had of to. Of course. Talk to. about it. I had to. We're talking about it. It's Jermaine. Your face was such like... I hate to say it, the reluctance, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Anyway, back on the 101, Clayton asked Michelle uh, what her time as a player was like, and she says she knew who she was when she went into the game. She says she knows the fear of being alone can cause people to alter who they are, but for her, feeling alone in a relationship is significantly more painful than actually being alone, and she'll stick to her guns no matter who she did or didn't have by her side. And... Um, he says, sometimes you have to go down a dark path to eventually love yourself. I thought he was hinting at a PTC here that we were going to hear later. We never did. Maybe they're saving it for Bachelor 26. But Michelle then ITMs that Clayton has many qualities she wants, but something's missing for her, and she has to make a choice. Not sure if she's at that point. She picks up the rose on the table, and we cut to commercial. Portion four begins, she says... You've continued to show me how you want to be the best for your future family. You've checked every box, but I don't think, I don't feel I'm able to get there with you in time. And it doesn't mean that you're not enough. Eliminated. Oh my God, I wrote Colton. <laughs> Clayton. How many times am I going to do that? Uh, I do it constantly. <laughs> it's hard. Their names are very similar and they're very similar looking football headed dudes, you know? He says, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. She says, you're an amazing person. You are enough. And I feel in this moment that I'm like, if Clayton knew he was in contention to be the next Bachelor, maybe he is branding himself a la Ben Higgins, hashtag unlovable, as not being enough Clayton. 
That's interesting. Although I think you go with the Clayton rotation. Good job, Clayton. One of these. For your poster, <laughs> but <laughs> I think you may be right that this is like all great ideas. This this little identity thing might be manufactured specifically for his run as Bachelor. But she tells him that she believes he will have a right time and place for relationships. And then she walks him out. And as she's giving him a last hug, the car pulls up. She ITMs that she knows there's going to be someone for him out there. So the producers here are laying it on thick, making her say these things that are building up in our minds. Well, maybe we'll get to see him on that journey. Find this person. They're using Michelle here to market his upcoming season. Clayton gets in the car. No tears here. He gives an exit speech. He's asking himself where he went wrong, but he can't go there. And then we see the Grim Reaper taking Clayton's bag and the guys react with no real surprise or emotion. And then Clayton talks about being vulnerable and how that opens him up to being hurt. Michelle opened him back up and now he feels like he wants to go back into that shell, the turtle, to protect himself against being hurt. And we don't see either of them tears here. This is the most Mm -hmm. lackluster exit I think I've ever seen from somebody who is meant to be like important in the season. There's no emotion between them. There's no emotion on his part at no. any of this happening. I, there's a part of me that thinks they probably told him at this point or maybe even slightly prior to this that he's the next Bachelor. So he doesn't give a fuck. He just seems completely detached from this entire experience. Do you think they decided that this early? I don't know. Because the your only other options are, in my opinion, you've got Brandon, Nate, or Joe. I don't know which one of them wins the ring. I still think probably Nate does. Joe Coleman is probably second place. I'm not sure what the deal with Brandon is, but there's something there that's not quite right, in my opinion. I think he's going to get kicked off before, or sorry, he'll probably make it to Fantasy Suites and go out in third place, in my opinion. What about Tabletop? Tabletop's not in the show anymore. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Could be last longer than Clayton. (laughs) He did do that. He did do that. But at any rate, I just... You know, I'm like, this is The Bachelor. This is how he's leaving the game. No one gives a fuck about him. And, they, you know, we'll get another scene here. Oh, my God. I wrote here, Grim Reaper takes Colton's bag. (laughs) (laughs) At this moment, when he's leaving, which is supposed to be kind of the emotional climax of a player's time in the game. It's supposed to be the pinnacle of when they let it all out and they really say, like, I gave it my all and I felt a real connection, but woe was me. I hope mm-hmm. I can find this again. None of that here. He's just stone-faced staring into the camera being like, well, I guess I got to leave now. But then the next morning, we get one of the strangest scenes in the history of the fucking <laughs> game. <laughs> Two members of the child army come into fucking Clayton's hotel room. They give him some notes and hugs, and then he walks the kids out before he reads these notes. One of those notes was the quote we opened tonight's show with. And then the second note said, Dear Clayton, it made me real sad to hear about last night. It was surprising because you're really genuine because I like you a lot, and I know you'd be a really great husband for Miss Young. And he starts fucking tearing up. This is where Clayton is fucking crying. Not at getting dumped by Michelle, but by reading a handwritten note written per your estimation under duress. And I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) From a fucking child he has known for one day. Holy fuck. I mean, what did you make of this fucking scene? These letters by the two 
white children of Michelle Young's child army were my wow moment of the week. I, like I said, I don't believe any of the quote unquote written by children, written material was written by children. And these were, I mean, we've never seen anything like this happen. It's what you would do if you were like, hey, we're kind of locked into this person being the next bachelor. We didn't get him to do any love levels. We didn't get him to do any PTCs. We didn't get him to do any tears. What are we going to do? Okay, well, we know he desperately wants children. Let's fuck with him with these letters. Let's get him to cry. And also say he's the best person ever. Can you imagine if they brought these kids in and they gave these letters to Jamie after he was kicked off? God damn, that would have been amazing. (laughs) Literally, this letter says, because you are really genuine. What fucking kid Mm -hmm. is going to say that? That's a straight fucking producer line. I didn't understand. I mean, I understand. I, I agree with you. They're doing this because at this point, I think they knew he was going to be the bachelor or had a very strong suspicion. So they're like, we need to get this fucking footage, which then brings in my wow moment of the week. It's not the letters uh-huh. themselves. It's the fact that I believe this entire scene was shot days after he was dumped because to have those kids back on what? set. Yes. I don't think this is like the next morning because to get those kids back there to shoot with children requires a lot. There's a lot of legal shit. You have to have someone on set that serves as a studio teacher. All this fucking shit. Their parents have to be involved. There's all kinds of release forms. You can't just call those kids up and be like, hey, can you guys come back down to the set real quick? There's a whole fucking Mm -hmm. thing. I think this was at least days later. So Colton gets dumped. This is my timeline that I'm making up in my head. Could be real. Uh-huh. Maybe it's not, but I believe it is. We love new timelines. <laughs> this is this isn't <laughs> new. I show. think this is real. <laughs> Colton gets dumped. Clayton gets dumped. Sorry. Uh-huh. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Clayton gets dumped. Then he comes back to his hotel room where they say, We're not going to send you home just yet. Chill out here for a couple of days. And he's probably thinking like, oh, fuck, maybe she's going to pull me back into the game. Maybe there is a chance for me. Knock on the door Mm -hmm. and it's two little fucking kids. And he's like, what the hell? Then they give him these fucking letters that the producers forced them to write. And uh, this whole fucking scene transpires, which we get to see all of. I've never seen anything like this. Somebody gets dismissed. They're kept around for a full scene with people who are not in the game, bystanders, and that somehow Mm -hmm. is bringing tears. This whole fucking thing was bizarre as shit to me. And I get that they have to try and like trump him up, but imagine seeing this and not knowing that he was The Bachelor. This is just some fucking guy, some scene with somebody who got kicked off. That's the thing. Like he hasn't had this whole like America's behind him storyline at all. Like, oh, the favorite's going home. This second letter. I hope you aren't too sad when you go home. You will probably meet someone else and fall in love and have lots of kids and be a great dad. Please don't be too sad, okay, Kelsey? It's it's as if we were watching Ben Higgins get dumped. Yeah. That is like, maybe you could see a scene like this happening. Someone who everyone was behind, a fan favorite who's getting cut. Clayton's not a fan favorite. He was the least interesting of all the guys remaining. He's potentially the least interesting of any person who was on this season. Even some of the night one guys, (laughs) you know, not that I remember any of them, but 
he did nothing. He did fucking nothing. And if he did things, we didn't get to see it. That's when you're saying like he didn't play a a PTC or raise levels. Maybe he did. Mm -hmm. And they just cut it out for some reason. Whatever the case, this is all the fault of the producers. They don't know how to present this show. The people running it currently do not understand how to make this show. That is clear time and time again. The past three or four seasons, starting with the bubble seasons, basically, have just been, I mean, a fucking mess. And this here, this weird scene that they're crowbarring into the middle of the fucking show is just, it's so out of place, so fucking strange, and doesn't even serve the purpose that they need it to serve, which is getting us excited about Clayton as The Bachelor. It does the exact opposite. I couldn't care fucking less about this guy. If you just would have left it at the him getting dumped by Michelle, at least there's some mystery. I'd be like, well, fuck, why the fuck did they pick that guy? Now I'm like, oh my God, he's just a dunce. He's a dud. And they've got to like try and fake their way through him being a good bachelor. I think the tear play will work on people though. And the and the kid, the child army play. So I don't I don't think I do not agree that this will have zero effect on the fourth audience. Mm. I think these things are, I think tear play is a staple for a reason. I think child armies are a staple for a reason. He says, I haven't cried in years. It shows me I want kids one day. I think that will come off as genuine to other people. We'll see. I'm going to look at his IG numbers in the next 48 hours. This next <laughs> Friday, by the way, we're going to do a very special episode where I'm just answering some questions that people have submitted, which you can submit through our Instagram on Game of Roses Pod. But I'm also going to track the Instagram and the ratings because I'm curious about that. So you're going to get a little piece of This Week in Bachelor Nation and then a special Thanksgiving episode or holiday episode, whatever you might be doing this week, where I'm just going to answer some questions in real time. Should be fun. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. 
That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the Final Frontier of wardrobes mm. and there's no rhyme or reason to them you got ones that are super old uh different brands etc you don't know what to expect but now i have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies and now i want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to i'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. From the outside in. He then says, I just want to find love so badly and have a family and start that chapter of my life. I want it more than anything else. I'll do whatever it takes to get that. Oh, this isn't part of the quote. I'll pretend to cry to a letter I'm pretending that actual children wrote. (laughs) Days later. Also, it's days later. Days later. Oh, yeah. God. Let's check. Let's see if the children's heights have changed between the, uh, the original Fort scene and this uh, letter Kringle. Portion five begins. It is the group date and it is a roughing it farm date. We start with a creature, a dog smiling because he's at a farm. Not my creature of the week. Nate wins the race to Michelle and she tells them my kids planned a farm date and we see a bunch of cows. She says, I need a guy comfortable with getting his hands dirty Rodney, continuing his full colorful narrator, I've never milked a cow before. I switched almond milk, lactate, and then we get tabletop. Tabletop milks a cow with the intense energy that he brought to the Vikings group date. And the cow named Bessie that tabletop milked for our pleasure was my... Creature of the week. Rick says, I like to think about driving a car. 
while he's milking Bessie. And I'm like, did he, does he just do this when he's doing anything? Did he do this while he was in the table trapped? He just dissociates. He's like, I'm driving a car. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good coping strategy. Then Rodney starts milking the cow and his cow's thrashing around, threatening to kick the bucket over. And Michelle is then forced into an ITM about how milking a cow is just like a relationship. The milking skills are some kind of insight for her into the future. And they're going to force her to do these ITMs throughout this entire day, talking about the various farm activities being just like a relationship. Martin does not want to touch any udders. And then we get this thing where it's Joe versus Nate in a milking competition and they milk into a bucket and then they pour their milk into these two glasses next to each other to see who has more. There was no prior defining of this as a game. The producers here clearly have set up some kind of competitive thing where it's going to be head-to-head competitions about who can get the most milk out of the udders. But the producers have edited this, have presented this in a way That gives us no indication of this. It is shot poorly. These weird fucking shots that are like low angle up into the guy's milking. It is cut poorly. We have no idea what's going on. Who's milking what cow? Is there a competition? There's no structure in the presentation of this at all. The producers have dropped the ball and it feels like they're just slapping a bunch of images together. Like, oh, look, there's a guy touching a cow udder. I have no fucking idea what's going on in this date. It's senseless. And it's not even entertaining. They've taken this thing that like, again, I don't mean to invoke the great one's name, but I kind of have to here. Oh my God, that tone. (laughs) On a date in season 21, that's of course Nick Vial. They did this exact same thing. They went to a, a farm where the group daters were forced to milk cows and shovel shit and do all these exact same things. It's an exact replica of that date. That Mm -hmm. date, the construction of it, and we know who was doing that. That was Elon Gale. It was perfect. You got the character who didn't want to do it. That was Corinne Olympios. And they made a Mm -hmm. whole fucking thing out of it. She did a fake IFI. Did a fake IFI. Here, it's Martin's just like, I don't want to do this. And that's it. They get nothing out of it. There's no value. They're trying to hit these the same dramatic moments, but it just falls flat. It's like a pale ghost image of something that used to be a bygone era where the game was presented in full. This is just weak. It's terrible producing. (laughs) We do get a fake IFI, though, and that is done by nothing but Nate. He ITMs, Joe is outperforming in milking cows, feeding baby cows, and churning butter. There's got to be something here I can outperform Joe at. Great line. And they're shoveling shit. And he plays a fake IFI of a back injury. And he ITMs, I did hurt my back, but it gave me a good excuse to talk to Michelle. Exactly. Not only talk to her, he walks over and he gets a kiss from her. Here's a kiss. I couldn't believe this shit. You know, <laughs> we haven't really seen an IFI uh, this season, to my knowledge. Was there any? I don't think so. This was the first one that I remember. I'll say that much. If there was another one, I've forgotten it. This was beautifully fucking played and completely fake. And it lets you see the value of an IFI has nothing to do with whether the injury is real or not. It's that you get to kind of interrupt whatever your piece of the group date is. So he stops shoveling shit. And then you get to have Mm -hmm. a moment. It builds a one-on-one moment, a small moment, if you will, as Michelle Young is always asking for. 
It builds that immediately. And of course, he gets a kiss out of it. It was fucking brilliant. Maybe he studied the great one season. I look, I wouldn't put it past him. And then we also got a very funny <laughs> shot of Michelle hauling Rodney around in a wheelbarrow full of cow shit. I thought that was at least a funny image. It was funny. But then night falls. And it looks like the after party is about to begin with a hayride. All the guys come out of the barn and Michelle says, farm date wouldn't be a farm date without a hayride. Then we go to portion six. It's night. We never see the hayride. We tease it and it never fucking happens. It's the guys coming in dressed in nice clothes and uh, they're going into the hotel for some cocktails. This is terrible producing. I know why we didn't see it. It wasn't lit. That was my note. I was like, they're getting on a hayride. It's completely dark. Terrible producing. Throw a couple <laughs> fucking ring lights in the back of the goddamn wagon and put a fucking cameraman in it. It's insane. Crystal Nielsen has a ring light in her fucking birthing room and they can't light a fucking hayride. Who are these fucking producers? They should all be fired immediately. Get rid of them. Give us somebody who can produce this fucking game. What is going on here? Why even show us the fucking shot of the hayride? Oh my God, you're giving me, um, who's that man who like yells about stocks and presses like a big button? Jim Cramer, I think is his name. You're giving me Jim Cramer or Cramer vibes right now. I feel funny. the vibes right now. So, so. <laughs> why, why would they fucking show us this wagon? Why even show us the fucking wagon? I'm ready to see the fucking hayride. What happened on the fucking hayride? God damn it. We're never going to know what happened on the hayride. That's probably where Clayton accused, comes back and accuses Dana of being a reality star. Could have been. There's so much that we have no fucking idea about. And also, I think they probably cut that line from the promo because they were like, they didn't want Clayton to seem like he was attacking somebody. They didn't want him to seem mm -hmm. like an asshole. So they just shaved that right out of the fucking thing. But to include this shot of them about to go on the hayride. That's what I was waiting for all season. I was like, who is that about? We'll never fucking know. We'll never fucking know. Or maybe it'll come out at the mental or some. Who the fuck knows? Anyway, portion six starts. <laughs> All the fucking guys are coming into the after party. Uh, the group date rose is on the tables. They all sit down and Michelle tells them that this is the last group date and all the roses mean she's going to be meeting their family. So she tells the guys to lay it out all on the table. If there's something she needs to know, she wants to hear about it. She's giving them carte blanche to tattle. For the love level. Nate gets the first one-on-one -on -one time. He says his dad has a few rules. One is don't talk to me ever about girls or introduce anybody. We don't talk about it. <laughs> this was like, I thought too little was made at this moment. If I was Michelle Young and she's talking about red flags all the time, I'd be like, what the fuck? That's a kind of a strange environment yeah. to grow up in. It's like, so you've never brought anyone home? He says, not once. But I actually never, it worked out well because I actually never felt like I wanted to introduce somebody to my dad before. Then you come along. I feel like it'd be so easy. I'm definitely falling for you. Definitely seriously strongly following for you and genuinely never felt this way before. Love, Love level, level three by Nate. Gorgeous. And she returns the play. I feel very strongly about you and I'm really tumbling down a hill so fast, falling for you as well. Really beautiful love level three language here between the two of them and they get a kiss this is that charminence this is a guy who comes in says i'm gonna ify and get this kiss from you says i'm gonna love level three you says i'm gonna go on a hayride that never took place or whatever 
<laughs> he somehow recovers from that. But everything he did on this group date was fucking perfect. This guy is just, he's mm-hmm. like a fucking unbeatable player. His game is so tight, so fucking strong. And he does it all with that smile. He throws in a little face play to throw you off guard. Like, oh no, he's just a cool guy. It's like, no, 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 no. He's a fucking killer. This guy's taking you out. You don't have a chance against him. But he makes you think like, oh no, he's my buddy. No, no, he's not. He's your opponent. No, you've been charmanced. Basically, you've been glamored. I am very excited for these hometowns though. Oh, fuck me too. That promo did get me fucking pretty hyped. So the producers are at least doing that right. Maybe. God, I know I'm going to watch that episode and just be like, what the fuck are you doing? Anyway, Joe gets some one-on-one time and he tells her about his grandparents who owned and ran a dairy farm, which is why he was good at all the activities on this farm date. And he says that he's looking for a family scenario with a lot of traditions, which gets a kiss. Then we see Tabletop. He gets some one-on-one time. He has no doubts about her. And she says it feels natural with him. And she likes who he is. This is all a lie. She ITMs that she's developing strong feelings for all of them. And she's still trying to figure it out. This is all a lie as well. One-on-one time with Rodney. He wants her to see who he is and why he is this way. She L-O-1s him, gives him a kiss. She ITMs that all these guys are vulnerable and genuine. And we know that one guy is then not going to fit that mold. And we cut to Martin. <laughs> he's talking to the rest of the guys he says the conversation didn't flow she hasn't been paying attention that's why she perceives everything incorrectly there's things that made me question what she stands for when she talked about her childhood trauma things she hasn't worked through and he says some things deep inside of her that she hasn't worked through and that's immature now did he say these things yes Did he say them all at that moment in that order? Absolutely not. He said them on the hayride. Could have been on the hayride. I don't know where he said it, but none of this, literally none of it, is played on face, and you can definitely hear cuts in it if you go back. All we're seeing as he's saying this shit is Olu and Tabletop's reactions. This was, yeah, taken either from the hayride or ITMs, whatever, but this is... The producer's attempting to make him a villain here. And it's just, again, bad producing. It falls flat. You can't play fucking 20 seconds of dialogue without seeing the person saying it. I don't think. It immediately starts to be like, what the fuck is going on here? I haven't checked Twitter, but I bet you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying for us. He gets a kiss in his one-on-one time. Oluitams that he is two-faced. And Martin says, I would love to take you to my hometown. Your friends say a lot about you. And she's like, what would your friend say is your biggest downfall or flaw? He says, it's that I'm blunt. I really do think you're an amazing woman, loving, caring. You handle yourself like a woman (laughs) gets a kiss. He phrases it, though, by saying he's too honest, which is one of those like humble brag type. The worst mm. thing about me is that I'm too much of this good thing that you want. I'm just too much of it. It's yeah. still a good thing, but too much. And then Olu gets him one-on-one time, and he prefaces that whatever he's about to say isn't to benefit him at all. And then he tattles on Martin. He saw a red flag, and he says that Martin said of her poem that you haven't dealt with your uh, past, and that's immature. And him saying that is like, okay, you've never dealt with these issues. I think the producers told him to say this. I don't Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it was on the hayride, but I'm not positive that he heard Martin say it out loud. I think the producers mm. might have said, hey, uh, Martin called her immature. 
And so Michelle then mm. thanks Olu for telling her, and main, he maintains that he wants the right man for her, and Michelle ITMs that she needs clarity on the situation using some gameplay speech there. Portion 7 begins. Michelle comes back to the group, picks up that GDR, then asks Martin to go chat, and she takes him into the lobby. And it's important here to notice, she's still holding that rose. As she takes Martin out, she's talking to him and telling him that it was brought to her attention, that he says one thing to her and another thing when she's not there, and uh, his thought about her poem and about her opening up and being vulnerable, that it was immature and she hasn't dealt with that. He says, uh, that's absolutely not true. He just basically lies here. And she presses then like, where would that have come from? And he says, I can tell you what I said. Am I allowed? And we get a shot of Michelle rolling her eyes at him. I don't know if that's actually in response to what he said or not, but it's how it's presented in the document. And the other guys are watching from afar trying to figure out what's going on. And Martin just fucking tanks this. I mean, just fucking tanks it. He keeps talking over her and she keeps pressing him about saying one thing to the guys and another to her. And he keeps saying, I think you're letting someone else dictate our relationship. It just, you know, we watch him go down in flames here. She says, you've cut me off every time I start talking. He says, I apologize for maybe speaking over you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can't even get one, (laughs) one for TRR (laughs) sentence out of his mouth. (laughs) She says, you haven't been honest and you have not listened to why I'm hurting. My red flags are up. I don't trust you. I have to walk you out. He says, I do really hope you find your soulmate. And she walks her out. And then Martin, in his limo exit, says, I'm not upset I'm not going to hometowns. I'm upset at how she handled it. She was like, you spoke over me, blah, blah, blah. She's making a mistake. At this point, I wouldn't even care to give her a shot. It's sad. A woman like that does not deserve my time. And this limo exit by Martin was my... Error, 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 error of the game. He could have gone out for TRR, but he villains even harder in his limo exit. Martin's saying that the bachelorette doesn't deserve his time was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. She's the Bachelorette. As we know, it's a game of time. She deserves all of your time. That's the point of the game. What you're saying here is contradicting the entire premise of the game you're playing. Horrible fucking thing to say. I was at least glad to see that he didn't say a female like that does not deserve his time. He at least called her a woman. (laughs) So he is making some progress here. You're right. He held back. <laughs> just a terrible play top to bottom. And we saw this coming last week. He's just not made for this game. Ultimately, we will see him on Paradise, though. Maybe he'll have a bit of a redemption arc or meet up with another villain. And then Michelle comes back to the guys and tells them that she sent Martin home. Then she picks up the group date rose again. But wait, she had it when she was talking to Martin. <gasps> so what's going on here? What is going on? Uh, None of this is happening as we actually saw it. This is, again, bad producing. You either take that rose from her when she walks away so that you can reset the scene, or you just put it in her hand when she walks back. There's nobody checking for any continuity on this set. No one gives a Mm. fuck. It's just 
shitty producing once again. Roasted. Nate, however, gets to that group date, Rose, whether she took it to talk to Martin or not. <laughs> I'm going to roast him all fucking night. <laughs> but Nate gets the group date, Rose, and she bids the rest of them a good night and then ITMs that her soulmate is in this group of men. Nate played this group date so fucking well. I mean, God damn it. Yeah. He's just such a fucking stellar player. And if it mm -hmm. weren't for players like Nate, like Joe Coleman, and like the player we're about to get to in portion eight, I just, this season is like a complete wash for me because the producing is so bad, but these players are still shining through it. Despite yeah. how fucking horrible these producers are, these players are like, fuck it. I'm still playing this game and I'm going to play it at a high level. Portion eight begins. It is Brandon's one-on-one. He runs to Michelle and lifts her, gives her a little kiss and Michelle drives him in a car. They kiss in the car. His, his chemistry game can't be stopped. They go to get ice cream at Nelson's in Stillwater, Minnesota. Do a bunch of food play with giant portions of ice cream. A ton of making out. Michelle ITMs, he's someone I can see being my best friend. G says, we're going to a place in Minnesota I've spent the most time. I want to know how Brendan responds. And she drives him to this the cul-de-sac she grew up in. So it's her parents' house. She says her parents aren't there. She shows Brandon her senior pictures. He ITMs. <laughs> he speaks in these like four TRR, very cheesy metaphors. She's literally walking me through her heart. They go in her childhood bedroom. He points out how she was in his bed on the first day. Very cute. Remembering their love journey. And he says, I like you. Love level one. They kiss. There was a, a moment, by the way, back on the ice cream portion of this date that they blew. They did do a little bit of food play. They didn't shove the ice cream in each other's faces at all. Mm. Nobody got any ice cream on their nose. That's a huge mistake. Fucking, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. That's a quintessential shot from The Bachelor. It happens uh -huh. every time people eat fucking ice cream. Even, fuck, Pilot Pete did it with a fucking mayonnaise covered hot dog with Hannah Ann's Lus. Not even ice cream. They had ice cream. Anyway, back in her house, she asked Brandon if he wants to get in the pool. And she says she'll give him one of her dad's swimsuits once again. Ew. The parents aren't home. They won't know. She keeps hitting us over the head with this. My parents aren't home. My parents aren't home. Everything's going to be fine. My parents aren't home. Like kind of how it would be in high school, basically. So they're reducing mm -hmm. these human adults back to their high school identities, this regression of you're a child in a parent's home and they're away so we can be sneaky. Would you ever put on your partner's father's swimsuit? Absolutely not. Under no circumstances. Yeah. Never. I don't believe it was his swimsuit. I think that's probably a manufactured thing. I don't believe it was either. But, but we get it from Michelle saying they're not home, they're not home. We understand that they're going to show up and, in quotes, surprise everyone. So Michelle and Brandon are in a hot tub. They're kissing. They're making out in the hot tub. Then a car pulls up to the house. Conveniently, there are cameras everywhere. And the parents are home. Obviously, the parents are in on this. Production is working with them. That's how they're shooting them as they're walking in the door. And the parents are not reacting like, where are there all these fucking cameras here? Uh, so then uh, they're making out in the hot tub and the parents come in. Michelle Young is literally trying not to laugh in the hot tub as she's making out with Brandon. She knows they're coming in. I, I do believe Brandon was probably surprised here, but that's how portion eight ends. 
And then portion nine begins with Michelle's mom and dad showing up, catching them in the hot tub. Brandon looks surprised. Michelle is obviously not. And Brandon has to stand up in the hot tub, meet them for the first time. This is a dirty trick by the producers here. Uh, Early meeting of the family is a huge fucking benefit on any one-on-one date. And they really did him fucking dirty by not letting him Mm -hmm. psychologically prepare for it. Or have something covering his torso. A shirt or a sweatshirt. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Any, Any type of top covering. But despite the producer's trying to fuck him over here, he rises to the fucking occasion in what is a work of art. What he does here in the rest of this one-on-one date is, I mean, it's setting a new bar for an early meeting in the family. I have never seen anything like this. I am still trying to piece together how he was able to fucking do this. They sit on the patio. The mom, LaVon, says, tell me what you love about Michelle. He says, she's the most special person I've ever met. LaVon says, nice answer. Do you want kids? Three kids. Oh, wow. It's the same exact number as Michelle. Brandon says, your marriage is so special and unique. Any advice? He's creating a ceremony of the ancients with Michelle's parents. And LaVon says, he's my best friend. I always know he has my back. Ephraim, the father, says, it's not always easy, but you know, you love that person to death. Michelle ITM's Brandon held his own. My parents really seemed to like him. You missed a very important part up top. Mm. Michelle's mom glows them. She says, you two look very good together. Oh, I got her second glow. She fucking double glowed. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that. Oh man. So after Brandon forces this ceremony of the ancients, he then asks Michelle if he can speak to her parents alone. And I am getting fucking shivers down my spine. (laughs) This alone, this play by itself, is fucking revolutionary. We have never seen anything Mm -hmm. like this. This is an early meeting of the family. This is not a hometown. This is not a finale. This is an early meeting of the family. And Brandon is taking control of the entire fucking date here, saying, look, I met you guys. We had this good thing, but I need to talk to them alone. Michelle, can you give us a minute? And she's like, fuck, yeah, this is kind of cool. She's into it because she's like, he's taking this seriously and he wants to talk to my parents. We didn't even see this on Maddie Prue's early meeting of the family with Popeye's parents. No, not even close. Uh, Brandon then tells her parents that he feels deeply for their daughter and he wants to marry her, but he's an old soul and he's not going to marry her unless he has their fucking blessing. So if he's still there later, will they give him that blessing? And Michelle's mom is like, you're very warm. And she likes how Michelle looks at him. Mom go. And if she chooses him, then he has their fucking blessing. He turns this moment that is an early meeting of the family, a surprise early meeting of the family, into a double glow, a fucking blessing he gets out of this. This blew my fucking mind. Brandon asking Michelle Young to leave the patio in order to get a premature blessing from Michelle Young's mom and dad was my play, 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 play of the game. Gorgeous, outstanding, spectacular, never been done, totally unique. I couldn't I could not get over it. I feel like I have severely underestimated Brandon as a player after watching this episode. I felt the exact same way, and I would have given this my play of the game, but I'm going to reserve it for one other play that's coming up in the next portion. I I was blown away 
blown away by what he did in this. This moment alone, I was just like, he's he's redefined the early meeting of the family. This is what you can do with it. Now, it's a little bit harder if you get the early meeting of the family earlier in the season, as mm-hmm. Madison Pruitt did, as Crystal Nielsen has. But yeah, it's possible. That's what he's done is open the door here for any other player to at least make the attempt. This is what you can do on one of these dates now. And I feel like as long as it's not like the first one-on-one date that you have, I think it's okay to couch it in if we make it through this process and we decide that it's us, do I have your blessing? Yes, I agree. Those are the ways that you couch it. Yeah. Yep. Totally fucking agree. So portion 10 begins. It's the night. We're getting to the night portion of the dinner. They have a private little table set up at a gold medal flower building. And she ITMs that she can see a life with Brandon. She's doing some future casting here. And she's looking forward to the conversation that night to continue to build their connection. It's The audio here is just completely fucked. Bad producing, top to bottom. It sounds like they're <laughs> having this conversation inside a waterfall. Hey, Clues, did you uh, think there was bad producing this episode? Who, me? Yeah. No, it was okay. So they're trying to talk over this constant roaring sound in the background. <laughs> and Michelle asks him if she were to come to hometowns, who would she be meeting? And he says, my mom, my dad, my brother. And one person he would have loved her to meet was his grandpa, but he passed away. He's playing a PTC here of familial death. His grandpa was his best friend, showed him what love is, and wanted him to be the one to see his wife, to meet the person that he ended up with. That's the person who knows him better than anyone. Then... He pulls something out of his pocket. It's a bracelet. But this is no ordinary bracelet, you see. This Kringle (laughs) is a piece of jewelry made by his mother. She made it for him and said if he truly thinks Michelle Young is the one, then give her the bracelet. And if his mom sees it on her wrist when they come to hometowns, they'll give her the same love they give him. This Kringling of a pre-planned fucking bracelet that his mother made specifically for a hometown coded language was my play 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 of the game. I mean, what the fuck? So he went to his mom and said, I'm going into this fucking show. And he's like, if I come back with this girl on hometowns, you got to fucking treat her right. You have to play the role of the dutiful family. And the mom says, I'll do you one better, son. I'm going to make you this fucking bracelet. And if she's wearing it, that means we'll do everything you say. If she's not, we'll give you the crazy family. We'll give you the Adams family and we'll blow it up for you so you can become the bachelor. He doesn't even have to tell them anything off camera. The bracelet is the symbol. That is the sign. That is the code. If you see the bracelet, behave well. If you don't, fuck it. So in that moment at this date, he gets to make the decision. What is his hometown going to be? If he gives her the bracelet, it's going to be a good one. If he doesn't, it's off and he's going to make a fucking crown run. That's what we're seeing here. It made me think Connor the Catman B's mother prepping him to be bullied on the show, she (laughs) walked so that Brandon's bracelet-making mother (laughs) could run. (laughs) Who is this woman? I can't wait to meet her. Well, oh, fuck, I can't either. I just hope she has like a fucking a room where she's making bracelets and all kinds of jewels and shit. 
But after he gives this Kringle, he LL3s her, I'm falling in love with you, gets a kiss. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Unreal. The tonnage of good play that existed in this date is just, it's fucking mind-blowing. Players wish they could do one of these things over the course of a season. Mm -hmm. He does all of them in a single fucking date. Outstanding. This was like, I mean, it it really was something we've never seen before. This is a level of play that has elevated Bachelorette play, really even Bachelor play. I've never seen this done by anybody on Bachelor either. Absolutely loved it. And of course, Michelle picks up that one-on-one B rose and he gets that motherfucker, of course. He was given this huge opportunity with this date. He capitalized on it better than I think we've ever seen anyone do. And uh, I'm just, I'm so curious to see what he can do in the further iterations of this game, if he winds up on Paradise, which he probably will. I cannot wait to see what he can do on sand. I just can't but help but think he is going to get the strongest heartbreak edit of anyone. Why isn't he the Bachelor? You got Clayton. <laughs> His fort making. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He can <laughs> fart and make forts. Then Michelle ITMs that it's very possible she could fall in love with Brandon. Gives us a little L2 there. And portion 11 begins. It's the morning. Rick is talking to all the guys, telling them that the cocktail party is super important. Their last chance to get things out before she makes her final decision. Rodney is saying there's only two roses left for four great guys uh, who are going to, two of them are going to be going home. Olu reminds us that he's the only guy without a one on one. They're all like, fuck, this cocktail party is so important. We know what's going to happen next, of course. Mm-hmm. Taitlin makes their first appearance with nine minutes left of the program. Another horrible misuse of Taitlin, underused once again. Thank you, producers. I would have loved to see them on the farm in some cute little farm outfits. Why? Why aren't we seeing them? Oh, oh, it's because the the producers don't know what they're doing. Hmm, could be, could be. They're there. They came in at the end of last episode. They're there. They're on the premises. And I guess the producers are just like, ah, fuck it. You don't have to show up to the cocktail party. You know what? Alternate theory. They decide at this point they're hiring Jesse Palmer. They're like, phase out Taitlin. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Don't even let them do a dark touch or a Tamsig. They did a dark touch tonight and a botched Tamsig, but I think you're right. I think this is the dark magic of DLH himself still lingering (laughs) in the hallways of the fucking producing truck being like, we have to manipulate them out. There can be only one host and he must be a football head. (laughs) He must be a white man. He will do my bidding, Dark Lord Palmer. I sincerely think you're 100% correct. I think they're phasing them out in anticipation of the new Dark Lord. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense for why there was so much of them in the beginning, checking in with Michelle, seeing how she's doing, et cetera. And then they're just like, eh. To not have them in overalls explaining you need to milk these cows. I know. They did it on Katie Thurston's season. Remember when the guys had to wrestle in the mud? They were there yeah. for that date in cowboy outfits. Cowboy date, yeah. But I think you're right. I think it's very similar to when the Dark Lord was excommunicated, but there were still a couple of episodes left to air of Matt James's season. And they just like fucking... Mm-hmm zipped him right out of those as much as they could. Yeah. (laughs) But here we see Taitlin makes their first appearance and they say that Michelle told them 
that she is falling in love and she knows what she wants to do. So there's no cocktail party straight to rose ceremony. Night falls. The guys come into the rose ceremony in their suits. They take their posts and Michelle comes in. She gives the same speech she has given literally every week. Tonight is the hardest decision. She values all the relationships, but she, in quotes, has to follow her heart. She says that every time the rose ceremony, which contains two roses, goes to first rose is Joe. And then Taitlin comes out, Tasha gives the dark touch, and then Rodney gets the final rose, and Taitlin reemerges from the shadows. Caitlin butchers the Tamsig as usual, and Olu and Tabletop. <laughs> we savored your suffering. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see you on Paradise next summer. Olu ITMs that not hearing his name was a shot in the heart, and uh, it was his goal to show Michelle that he was her hero, but it hurts. And uh, it's a part of life. And he has to accept that fact. Tabletop then says he thanks her so much for an amazing experience. It's changed him. And she says she cares about him so much. A lie. And then he ITMs. It's painful. He could see himself introducing her to his mom and brother. He thought he could spend his life with her and create a family with her. He prays that she finds someone to spend her life with. And he prays that he finds that too. And then Michelle tells the remainder that family is everything. And she looks forward to seeing more of who they all are and where their hearts are at. And we get a big cheers. Is this our first Final Four with no white guys? It's got to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly positive, but I would say probably. I think it is. I think it is too. So that's historic. That's fucking great. More history. And then we see this promo. It looks like she is throwing eggs at Rodney. Maybe. I don't know what she's throwing to him. <laughs> But <laughs> they're recreating that bachelor pad controversial scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Do you remember on um, it was on Matt James's season where they went to a farm and they were throwing he was throwing eggs at them from a long distance and they were trying to catch them and they were breaking on them. Oh, an egg toss. Yeah, I think it's a similar kind of thing. Mm. Then we see him riding some bikes. She meets some families. We get some glows skateboarding. Joe asked her to prom again. So much prom. Nate paddle boards with her. We see some kissing. Brandon's mother has doubts. A mom cries. Nate cries. There's red flags. Someone is not ready for an engagement. Michelle feels nauseous. The drama continues next week on The Bachelorette. And then we have a little tag at the end of this game. (laughs) Clayton is sitting in his room and he's painting the fingernails of one of the children and then she returns the favor. She does his fingernails on both hands. And this child's name is Jaylene. And Jaylene then gets an ITM and she says he'll be the next Bachelor. And Jaylene getting Clayton to let her paint his nails and then making the tag of this episode in her ITM announcing the next crown was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week. Jaylene was also my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Holy fucking shit. 
Not only <laughs> is Jaylene a part of the child army, having these interactions with the next bachelor, she fucking says it in the tag. Now, I don't know how indoctrinated these kids are. Clearly pretty fucking indoctrinated. But mm-hmm. is she saying that out of her own mind? Or did the producer say, say he's going to be the next bachelor? Either way, she gets the line, she gets the screen time, and she is the first person officially in the fucking document to say that Clayton is the next Bachelor. Absolutely astounding. This is an important Mm -hmm. moment in history. One of the biggest announcements ever made by a Jorge Miranda bystander of the week. Congratulations, Jaylene. Loved seeing it. Never been done. More history is made. Yeah, tonight was a historic episode. I hope the ratings reflect that. But after all of these stellar plays and some not-so-stellar plays, who was your MVP? For his fort play, for his wall play, for his <laughs> oh, tear God, play, no. for recreating Ben Higgins' <laughs> hashtag unlovable, Clayton Eckerd was my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
So we'll see. Uh, well, I have two jars of it coming that I can't eat because I found out it has chicken broth in it. So I will gift them to you for whatever holiday is coming up next. But thank you, everyone, for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big game. We will, of course, be back, or I will be back, I should say, on Friday with a special episode. It's not going to be a twibbin. I'm going to have some news in it, a little bit, but not much. It's mainly going to be me answering questions. And I think so far, there are already some doozies in the question bag. So hopefully you guys will join <laughs> me for that. It'll be a twick this week in clues. Exactly. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,184 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 